Animation is a true art form, and it's almost as old as motion pictures. The first fully animated film was Phantasmagory by Emil Kohl, and it was released in 1908. It was about a little hand-drawn guy going through various strange adventures. It was very short, and frankly quite weird. Today animation is bigger than ever. It's everywhere around us. You see it when you check in your bag at the airport, and now we're talking bad animation. You see it when you watch a Marvel blockbuster, only you don't realize you're watching animation because it's so photorealistic. How long have you been at Kamataj, Mr. Doctor? Mr. Doctor? It's strange. Maybe. Who am I to judge? And naturally, you see it when you cuddle up in the sofa to watch Finding Dory together with your kids. I suffer from short-term memory loss. Yes! That's exactly what you say. <laughs> okay. Yes, animation is an art form. It's a craft that demands talented artists, just like back in 1908. The tools are different these days, of course, but the goal is the same, to create the illusion of life and enchant the audience. So let's talk animation, and in particular, character animation. Welcome to Yellow Brick Road and the episode Motion and Emotions. Hi everyone, I'm Nils Lagergren and this is Jellybrick Road, your digital home in the world of visual effects and animation. Today we're going to talk character animation, and as usual I have some true experts with me. Two senior animators from Goodbye Kansas, with years and years of experience from animation. Christina Sirodi and Cameron Scott. Welcome! Hello. Hello. It's very exciting to be here. <laughs> and I'm very excited to have you. <laughs> Cam, you're a visual effects supervisor at Goodbye Kansas, but you started as animator. Uh, why is animation so fascinating? Uh, I would say it's fascinating in the same way the storytelling is fascinating. People love telling stories. People love bringing life to, to things, whether it be characters or inanimate objects. But it's, uh, I think the... The way that you can tell a story, imagine, use your imagination to uh, bring something to life, that is what makes it so fascinating. Hmm. But we talked about motion capture the other week, but today we're going to talk about keyframe animation. What is keyframe animation? The word keyframe actually comes from the one of the original forms of animation, cell frame animation, hand-drawn animation, where you would start off with a, 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 a the beginning of an action, the, a key pose of an action, and that would become your your most important pose, and you would draw a ne the next most important pose, and then when you've drawn all those poses, you go back and fill in everything, and now when the rise of the computers came up and we used them to help us animate what we would we started doing was to just pose these important poses these 
important keyframes on a certain space and time and let the computer interpolate between the, the, the poses. But nowadays we understand that we have to go down to such a detail that we basically touch every single frame. Uh, but the keyframe is the most important f- frames of any one action. But but basically, it is the same mythology as Emil Kohl used back in 1908. It is, yeah. yes. The the principles he made up were uh, the same as relevant today as they were. Let's start with an impossible question, uh, Christina. How how would you define great animation? There are two parts of that for me. One is the the technical obvious part um, where. I recommend for anybody interested in animation and doing it themselves to get Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnston's uh, The Illusion of Life, and they explain in detail the 12 principles, um, and Cam and I could probably name them for you if yeah. we went back and forth. <laughs> Um, I, I actually wrote them down. Or is it funner if we if we just <laughs> we look to. at the ceiling and try? <laughs> but I'll just for the sake of time, I'll just go through them as. Uh, Squash and stretch, anticipation, staging, straight-ahead action and pose-to-pose, follow-through and overlapping action, slow-in and slow-out, arc, secondary action, timing, exaggeration, solid drawing, and appeal. Mm -hmm. Um, The less obvious answer to that question for me is that um, the greatest animators that I work with They really understand direction and how to bring that out in their character the way that an actor does, which um, even if you're technically talented or understand all the 12 principles, maybe that doesn't mean that you can take it and give it back to your audience. No, you you need to be an artist, really, a performing artist in a way. But but does great animation have to be lifelike, so to say, to be great or... I think even the greatest animation is taking life and making it better. So you wouldn't want it to be straight one-to-one life-like. Mm-hmm. It's always putting an interesting artistic touch on top of it. And touch audiences, I could say. But uh, and what's the secret behind great character animation, Cam? Character animation, the, the, for me, the the... the the most important thing about animation at all is to convey is to convince someone mm. and if you have a character uh if you evoke emotion or storytelling or put character into an object if you're convincing then that then you're succeeded so the greatest character animation is if you succeed in conveying what the character of this thing is whether it be a, a teapot or a, a giant beast, or a, a humanoid, or an alien, or whatever it is. So if you invoke the character, if you convey the story, then that is the best example of character and uh, character animation. Mm. And it doesn't, for me, it doesn't have to be realistic at all. As long as you convey the point of the story, if you if you oh, convey the emotion. Yeah, Christina. What do you think? Um, great timing, posing, and acting for me. Um, one example of that is um, 
in uh, The Emperor's New Groove, there's a character called Yzma, and I love these villains that they just go over the top and they have all these emotions and she's very angry and funny. But um, she has a little scene where she, I don't know if anyone knows it, she goes, I put it in a box and I put him in another box and then I, bam, <laughs> smash him with the hammer. And she just goes through all these, like, this small, this small voice and this fast voice and then this great pause and then anger. And so, so for me, it's moments like that that really make me feel something. And, and maybe that's not exactly like tracking an arc. It's, it's pretty much what an actor does. Hmm. That's true. But what are the general steps of animation, production-wise, so to say? If you're going to do a, an, an animated scene, what steps do you go through? Okay, um, for me, it starts from the script. Um, it matters to me that what I'm directed to do or what's written to do um, is something that I can take and either make my own or that I have great direction to go with. Um, so... I don't really feel that any part of animation isn't just like a film where it has to be that everything everything is thought out and good. And I think that's sometimes why you get with big blocks, blockbuster movies that they think if they can just do these amazing effects and it's like, well, if you didn't have a story, mm. I can't save you with <laughs> how well I animate <laughs> this flying rock. Um, so, um, so it's script, storyboard, reference footage, previs, blocking, blocking plus, polishing. Um, I'm not sure that we want to go into each of those individually, but no, no. Cam, but what do you think? Yeah, the, the key thing here is to get the proper brief. Yeah. Because this is an industry, so often there is a, a director to who has a vision and there is the script. And so uh, the, really identify what the scene is, what the purpose is, and what the oh, what the purpose of this scene is or the character what drives the character and that's what Christine was talking about just look at the look at the script get a proper brief and analyze it and that can be quite a collaborative process sometimes you get a director who hasn't thought it through the way an animator has to think it through because the animator has to Oh, bring this to life from scratch there's nothing you open up the book and it's a blank page and so the animator has to build it and whereas the the director may not have to think at that level of detail so that beginning planning process is quite meticulous where you analyze what do we have to do and then uh, and from then it's the the creative process continues but it's lots of planning lots of planning and then take references um Get a get a camera, get a, a, a film camera, and film yourself or a friend. Uh, some animators aren't that good at acting out themselves, so they ask a friend who they know is good, uh, and just get get lots of variations of the same thing to get to. You sometimes you might uh, see a, a little hand gesture which you wouldn't have thought of mm. consciously, but unconsciously you do it yourself, and and these. These sort of gold nuggets of of, uh, of life that you pick up through reference, you can put into your own animation. But but do you always work with references? It you uh, we always want to. Uh, it 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 gives so much to uh, to the animation, mm. and uh, if we have time, which we don't always do, but if we have time, that is one of the goals, one of the things we want to do. 
I think it's the difference between um, like going on a set with a handheld camera and just shooting a bunch of actors or and hoping you get gold like improv or actually like making a storyboard and making your camera uh, into a character itself. Hmm. But, but, but when you animate a scene with, with lots of feelings and stuff, you, you said that, that, that you, you, you can take reference uh, footage of, of a friend of yourself. Of, but do you sit like sometimes with a mirror or something like <laughs> looking at yourself and like trying all the time? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, how do you convey feelings into an emotion, into animation? The the most important thing is you can't think, okay, now I'm going to be angry. No. You have to understand what it is that makes the character angry. And then you put yourself into this into this situation. It's just like acting. Yeah. You, animators are actors, except they don't act themselves. They have to act the character, force the character to act. So you you try and dive into this character and find out what it is that makes this person or thing angry or happy or sad or motivated. And you need to have lots of knowledge about uh, like muscles in the face, kind of uh, an angry person. That's not just the eyebrows. It can be something like, I mean, all of those tricks, what goes on in a face, for example. Yeah, uh, I had to do some love scenes for Pan uh, and also, also for... Um, I'm here, the Spike Jones short film. Yeah. Um, and my challenge was to make two robots where all I could animate was the eyes and the mouth look like they were in love. And I, whoever was in the room saw me leaning into the screen and making googly eyes at my screen, tilting my head and and really trying to feel this love and putting on music like, okay, I feel this character. And... Um, And I wanted to, they were actually somewhat in pain. They had just left the hospital. So so I had to show this like aching, painful love with just eyes and mm. and a mouth. And um, the best way to do that is to, to feel it yourself. Again, just like an actor would. Um, and also for Pan, we took some very embarrassing reference footage I have somewhere, me and a friend. <laughs> and I guess it If you just saw the reference footage, it would not have achieved the same effect as seeing the scene because it was quite funny. <laughs> Blackmail material. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, great animation needs talented animators, that's for sure. But, but does that mean that you can see an animator's personal style shine through an animation? Can you see he did that or she did that? I think as a result of animators taking reference of themselves and with that you see these common gestures which come up which are which seem appropriate then in that way yes you can. I can tell if one of our animators has animated something because I can see there might be, uh, I might recognize a gesture mm. But then in the end, you have to get into this character. So ideally, that would not be the case because you have a, a – you don't want to just project yourself into this character. You want almost the opposite. You want the character to be projected into you so you can then animate that character. So it's a bit like 
Gary Oldman is always different in his different roles, but Jack Nicholson is always Jack Nicholson. Well, I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, exactly. I think it's, it's, I think Will Smith is, Will Smith is always Will Smith. And <laughs> <laughs> you, Christina? Um, yeah, um, I think sometimes when I see certain people's style, they really have a lot of ac- um, arcs or they exaggerate more. My style is probably more grounded and uh, less exaggerated. So I would imagine if Cam was wondering who was working on a file, he could pick that out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that just comes from the types of uh, companies. Like I was with Method New York, and they they did a lot of um, trying to blend in real... um, humans and creatures into live action plates mm. so you don't tend to go extremely bigger um, whereas the company I was with before that they did a lot of cartooning work so then we got to exaggerate a little bit more and the the project I'm on now at Goodbye Kansas is uh, is cartoony so I've been uh, turning it up a bit and having a lot of fun squashing and stretching I think good. the uh, it really depends on the type of job yeah. if if we have a cartoony job then you you ask the animators to to really pull push those mm. those uh, techniques which we're used to seeing in cartoony animation but if it's hyper real then you have to go almost the other end of the spectrum and work with subtlety and and uh, realism yeah. and so hopefully, we all all of our animators are, are skilled enough to pick and choose and adapt to the the brief of the of the project. I guess that, that animations can be reused. Well, they are actually reused sometimes. Uh, I, I watched Disney's old Robin Hood the other week, and and my four year old daughter instantly recognized that they had reused animation from the Jungle Book and Snow White in the dancing scene in the middle. It was like the same dance moves and the same like clapping with the hands and stuff. Is it common to reuse animation that way? Uh, I'm very impressed with your three-year-old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think she has a future. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, well, I think if they were hand-drawing it, they probably reused the reference footage and... They reuse the experience. Mm. So I think it's so beneficial when we get to do things that we've done before and you can say, oh, yeah, just like on that other job. Oh, okay, we're going for that goal. And your whole team knows, like, okay, we've done this before and this is what we're going to achieve. So in in that way, it is, um, it's great to reuse it. If you're talking about directly reusing uh, certain animation, we do that with cycles. Uh, we try to build libraries. Mm. So that's helpful. Uh, there is a, a few YouTube videos going around where they do compare directly between Disney animation films mm. of dances and, uh-huh. and uh, chase scenes and gags. And they present it in the YouTube film like it's some sort of conspiracy and like we've been cheated, but <laughs> it is actually quite common. And they do that because it's more efficient. They've done the hard work Mm. for one film and why do they have to reinvent the wheel when the scene calls for action, the same action? And so it is an established uh, technique to reuse cell or hand-drawn animation 
uh, and it's not a conspiracy. It's just it's just appropriate. It's just like Christina said, if we have a library of animation and it, you can apply it, why not? It's yeah. not like it's a conspiracy or you're cheating anyone. It's just it's for efficiency. It's so time consuming to animate. Hand it, it, it is. It's very time-consuming, isn't it? Mm, so if you can save a week, then of course you're going to do that. You know something, Robin? You're taking too many chances. Chances? You must be joking. That was just a bit of a lark, little John. Christina, do you have a favorite project that that you've been animated? Um, I really loved working on um, I'm Here, the mm. Spike Jones short film. I didn't know many of the artists on that team before and today they are some of my best friends uh, still and that was in 2009 to 2010 mm. uh, and what what does hit on some of these projects is that you're working with these teams uh, day and sometimes night and you quickly are with them more than you're with your family and you you grow a very close bond uh and uh, and on top of that i got to work on just facial so i had f- somewhere between 50 and 75 shots of just facial animation so i felt that okay i really know how an eye twitches and moves and how I, it was very good to just get that very repetitive practice even though sometimes at three o'clock when you just ate lunch, you're falling asleep because you've been doing the same exact thing for, <laughs> you know, two, three months straight. Um, I'm so happy to have solidified that skill. Mm-hmm. So when, even though some of these longer projects, um, maybe you'd rather be on a commercial because you do something cool and new and exciting for three months and then you get to move on to something else, I keep that in mind when I go on these longer projects is that whatever I come off of, whatever we did on this job, I am going to have, I'm going to know how to do that, whether I like it or not. <laughs> hmm. I mean, uh, animation is uh, to create the illusion of life and it's imitating life. Uh, there's a French expression when you sit in a cafe and, and watch people uh, and regarder le spectacle de la rue. <laughs> Sorry for my French, part of my French. But 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 when you sit on a on a street cafe watching people, do you watch them how they move and like kind of collect uh, movements in your mind to use in animation later? We were actually uh, talking about this uh, another um, animator here, Jonas Ekman. The other day as we were walking to the gym, we were talking about walks and we excused ourselves to say, we're not talking about people because this is our job. So we have to <laughs> analyze these walks and how how they are. And I said, oh, did you ever notice when people don't put their heel all the way down? Oh, no, I never noticed that. Well, you have to look for it now. That's good. Yeah, I, it all the time. All the time. I, I can't turn that off. I w- watch people and see how they walk and try and see why that person walks in a different way to another person. And even with animals, so what is it that makes this horse seem mm. different to the other horses? And I, I think a, a part of, a good, a part of a, a good animator is that observation. Observe everything. Observe how everything moves and why people think the way they do and how that reflects in 
the way they act. It's quite uh, annoying when you can't turn it off. <laughs> I remember seeing a, a, it's a curse. Yeah, it's a curse. I, I, I remember seeing a, a guy on a skateboard, and I think he must have just started skateboarding. He was quite an old guy, and I think I commented to another animator of mine, "That guy looks really badly animated." <laughs> he just—it <laughs> <laughs> is a curse. You can't turn it off. Last but not least, what, what's the greatest animated film ever made? Uh, I, that's probably very hard to answer because there are so many. So I think one that probably felt like an innovation at the time was Fantasia when it came out. Um, and for obvious reasons, it's just... It's beautiful. It's set to a symphony. It's got all the principles and is amazing in and of itself. It's creative and and quite silly in some places. So, and it even has an animated soundtrack in one scene. The soundtrack of the film is actually coming into frame and like hello, and then back again. <laughs> That's in our honor. I grew up on uh, silly symphonies in in the eighties. I'm lucky that my mom had great taste in uh, in cartoons to show her children because um, do you know the silly symphonies? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was probably my greatest influence then. Um, and then, of course, there were a lot of other wonderful films in the eighties: uh, The Secret of Nim and The Lion King. Oh, yeah. Amazing, and uh, the last un- oh, not the Lion King that came out later, but uh, the last unicorn. I meant to say. Um, and then, in, when I was sort of choosing what I was what I was going to go into when I was in high school and picking my future, I, Shrek was big. Mm-hmm. Toy Story was big. Shrek was big, and I watched Shrek so many times. Oh, I want to make people laugh like this. And, uh, and the Incredibles later and The Nightmare Before Christmas is a stop motion film mm. and then uh, of course um, The Emperor's New Groove which I mentioned earlier with Isma uh, everything is coming in like uh, stages of my life like childhood before college and college was The Emperor's New Groove it was on every night before I went to sleep just because it was funny and it helped me go to bed <laughs> ah how shall I do it oh I know I'll turn him into a flea harmless little flea and then I'll put that flea in a box and then I'll put that box inside of another box and then I'll mail that box to myself and when it arrives ah, <laughs> I'll smash it with a hammer it's brilliant 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 I tell you genius I say you can um, I I, th- I find it very hard to say what the greatest animated film was for me it's more key scenes in mm. lots of different movies. No film for me is perfect, but there are certain iconic animated scenes which stay with me as part of my life. And they are, I, uh, for instance, the, the cave scene in The Incredibles when Dash finally gets permission from his mother to do exactly that which he's been told not to do up until this moment. And the, the look of of pure joy in his face. It sets, it's like a real Kleenex moment for me. I, I, I <laughs> my, my tears well up with him. I'm with there and they're with him. And also in the same scene when his older sister 
admits that she has flaws where she has been the older sister throughout the whole film. And the, and that is one of them. And another one is, is in How to Train Your Dragon when uh, Astrid, it, it's such a beautifully written script. This scene is when Astrid gently coerces Hiccup into doing something stupid at the end of the film where she convinces him to to be exactly who he is uh where again throughout the whole film his father has told him to be someone else these iconic scenes are just so beautiful and they they're well animated they're well written and you can really identify with these characters that's lovely for for me it, i think it's like old disney films especially one scene in pinocchio and uh, that scared uh, hell out of me when I was a kid but when he's at uh, Pleasure Island uh, whatever it's called and and his friend turns into a donkey mm. yes. and and they're they're both drunk and he sees it and he doesn't really understand what's happening and and you see the shadow of of, of the boy turning into donkey and and screaming and then uh, the expression in his face when he starts to it's horrible in a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde mm. way that is amazing I think and beautifully animated too it is Well, animation is fun for sure, and, and uh, I'm sure that that we'll have more episodes about animation because there's so many aspects about this. We 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 didn't even touch the the topic of animal animation. We we must do that some other time. But now our time is up for this time. Thanks a lot for coming. Thank you. Thank very you much. for having us. Yes, great. And you out there, as usual, you can see some of the things that we talked about at the Goodbye Kansas website, goodbyekansasstudios.com. And mail us if you have any thoughts. Uh, next week, we'll stroll down memory lane and revisit Kung Fury, that insane 80s bonanza that we worked on two, two three years ago. In other words, VFX done in a VHS way. Until next time, goodbye, à bientôt, auf Wiedersehen, wie hoch. Wie hoch.